Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. See, you're fortunate tonight because of uh, not having a long period of time. I'm not going to read three or four uh, jokes. Just one. A customer was really hassling an airline ticket agent at the ticket counter, yelling and screaming and using foul language. However, the agent was polite and pleasant and smiled while the customer continued to abuse her. When the man finally left, the next person in line said to the agent, Does that happen often? I can't believe how nice you were to him. The agent smiled and said, No problem. I took care of it. He's going to Detroit. His bags are going to Bangkok. Second Timothy, chapter 2. Verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase more unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. You know, when he's talking about wood and the earth and stuff, you know, he's talking about the work that some Christians do. Think of the judgment seat of Christ. Wood, hay, and stubble. Gold, silver, precious gems. That's extra. It's not the message, just extra. Okay. Flee also youthful lust, and follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. We're starting a series of messages on real repentance, real repentance. You notice there, and it says there in verse 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. I'm going to tell you right now, repentance is something that's needed. It's something, it's, it's not salvation. But there's not salvation without repentance. It's needed in the Christian life on a daily basis. Okay? And I've heard a church, I had heard a preacher preach that, yeah, once you're saved, you no longer sin. Well, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. Because... To justify that in a Christian life, you're going to make excuses for when you do. Okay? Real repentance. 
The legal ideal of repentance is the pain, the regret, or affliction which a person feels on account of his past conduct because it exposes him to punishment. That's legal repentance. It's not real. The sorrow proceeding merely from the fear of punishment, legal repentance, is being, is being excited by the terrors of the legal penalties that, it may that may exist, and it happens without an amendment of life. Amendment of life. There's no real change. I can remember, you know, people say all the time, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. How many of you have little kids who say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please, I'm sorry, right? I can remember this with Mike, with Michael. I can remember it with Heather. I can remember it with AJ. Michael's looking out through the door at me and goes, again, Dad, you're going to talk about it. He's shaking his head. My son's on the security. <laughs> so it's one of those things. I can remember with AJ was stubborn. And you discipline a child not until they're angry. You discipline a child until they're repentant. If you understand, understand what discipline is, ask Pastor Kenny after the service. Okay. All right. And AJ would be stubborn. He said, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. And so his discipline would have to become more vigorous. And then finally he'd go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Then we pray. And I can remember distinctly him walking away going, I'm not really sorry. He was sorry about the discipline. Okay, now, repentance is real penitence. There's a difference. Sorrow or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor to God. A violation of his holy law and the basis in ingratitude towards a being of infinite benevolence. Infinite benevolence, God has an attitude of good, okay? Towards all, because it says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. That's salvation, repentance into salvation, because they recognize their sin, but it's also for the believer. That You know, there has to be a change. Now, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, he was... The king of Israel. It talks about him in Acts chapter 13. We won't turn there. In verse 22, it speaks of David being a man after God's own heart. He was a wretched sinner. I wouldn't want my daughter married to him. But you know what he was? He was a good repenter. Okay? Go to Psalm 51. Read Psalm 51, and then we're going to go into the nature, threefold nature of repentance. This, this message came out of, I was reading some material by uh, uh, Pastor Rick DeMichael of Treasure Valley Bible Baptist Church in Meridian, Idaho. And this brought this message about, and some of the stuff with this came from him, okay? Because uh, I don't believe you have to recreate the wheel. Amen? This is David's Psalm of repentance after the, the effects of Uriah the Hittite with Bathsheba when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet on his sin. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, and God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praises, thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. Thou will not despise. That's David's psalm of repentance. And we're going to look at now, starting with, threefold nature of repentance. The first one is, it's a threefold nature of repentance. It has to begin in the mind. Okay? It begins in the mind and the intellect. And I want you to turn to Matthew 21. If you're not used to turning in your Bibles, your fingers are going to get cramps tonight. Matthew 21, verse 28. But what think ye? This is Jesus speaking. A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he what? Repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. See, one son changed his mind. Okay? So it starts in the mind. Okay? And he changed his mind about a willingness to work in his father's vineyard. That's a form of repenting. Okay? And it, it starts with your thought process. A change in way of thinking. What is the definite? You hear it so many times, you're going to keep hearing it. As long as Pastor Kinney gives me the privilege of being able to speak. What's the definition of insanity? Same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It's not going to change. All right? Acts chapter 2, verse 14, verses 40. I don't want you to turn there. Okay? But Peter, on the day of Pentecost, you know, that's a fancy word, Pentecost. You know what it means? 50 days. Okay, you can just learn something in your Bible. Pentecost means 50 days after the resurrection. That's all it was. Okay? And on the day of Pentecost, he called on the Jews to repent. Okay, virtually called upon them to change their minds in their views regarding Jesus Christ. 
You know what they considered? The Jews considered Jesus to be nothing but a mere man and a blasphemer. That's what they thought he was. It had to change. Turn to Acts chapter 20. A change of mind. I'm going fairly quickly. I, you know, if this was a, a, a Sunday morning or a Sunday night series of messages, I would develop them more. But I want you to get a picture of what's going on. Acts chapter 20. Repentance starts with your thought process. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... Okay, so it, the Word of God has to come in through your mind to come to your heart. All right? Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. This is the Apostle Paul. And when they were come to him, and Pastor Kinney referred to this, I believe, on Sunday. When they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I had been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, what? Repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God. You're going in one direction, you're making your own choice. Okay, repentance is part of salvation. You're making your own choice. You're presented with the truth of the gospel and the scriptures, and it's not like you giving your it's good to give your testimony. But you need to give them scripture. That's where salvation comes from. It brings about a conviction that can't be matched just because of my testimony. If someone got saved because they heard how I got saved, unless they were given scripture by me in that, they're not saved. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay? And repentance towards God. It's a change of mind. They were coming towards and trying to think they were coming to God and rejecting him. And they turned their mind to him and then had faith towards Jesus Christ to be their only Lord and Savior. So you have the mind. Consistently push people to read your Bible on a daily basis. You should have family devotions. You should have private devotions. If you want to learn your Bible, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the first part is that mind. Second part is the emotions. Do you know that people can get caught up in emotions and make so-called religious decisions? Okay. If their mind hasn't been changed through the word of God... It's an emotional decision. But the emotions are part of it. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, excuse me, it's verse 5. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. For when we were come into Macedonia... Our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. You ever been there? Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforteth us by the coming of Titus. 
And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle that hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that you sorrowed, to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold the selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Do you see, those are emotions. Zealous. Zeal is an emotion. Fear is an emotion. Desires are based off your emotions. Okay, so it's part of it. And I want you to understand that even though real repentance isn't just an emotion or an emotional reaction, the emotions have a part in repentance. Just how much the emotions are involved is necessary for real repentance, I don't know. No one can truly say on that because some people are more passionate more emotional generally than someone else. And just because someone doesn't have the same emotions when they repented to salvation, when they got saved by faith, some people cry. Some people, it's like, well, okay. I've asked someone who prayed in the Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, and they said, what, how are you feeling right now? He said, well, like a, a weight's been lifted. Someone else, they're crying. And I go, oh, God, thank you for saving me. Both had emotions involved. You know, it's just you, not everybody's the same, okay? You know, some people are more passionate than others. But a certain level of heart movement, and that's emotions, okay? When the Bible talks about your heart, it's not talking about the pump that beats in your chest. It's talking about the seat of your emotions, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You can have had knowledge and thoughts about something, and it doesn't necessarily bring about a change. But until your heart desire comes to that, it won't be any different. But when it does, okay, sorrow is a heart matter. That's what grief share is all about, learning how to sorrow properly. And it's individually, isn't it, Brother Mike? Not everyone's sorrow is the same. Everyone's emotions are not the same. But you need to understand, Psalm 38, verse 18, For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Turn to Luke chapter 18. You still with me? I almost read a joke about the person needing sleep, so they went to church. Luke 18, verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but what? Smote upon his breast, saying, God, 
be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Hmm? Matthew 26, verse 75 says this, and it's in Peter. This is after he had denied the Lord, okay? And Peter remembered, this is Matthew 26, verse 75. Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he wept, he went out and what? Wept bitterly. See, I want you to understand, three parts of that repentance and how it affects you is going, you're, you're a three-part being. God made you in his image and likeness. You have a spirit, a soul, and a body, and they belong in that order. Spiritual decisions should come ahead of emotional and physical decisions. That's the way the Bible lists them. We normally say body, soul, and spirit. It lists them as spirit, soul, and body. You're also a mind to know God. A heart to love God. And a will to serve God. So the emotions come into play. He went out and he wept bitterly. The thing is, you need to understand, you can have a feigned or fake repentance through a proverbial shower of tears. Yeah. Little children lie through their tears all the time. <laughs> Some people cry easier than others. In my family, I cry easier than my wife Judy. When she cries, it's real. Okay? I don't care. I cry, you know, especially after all the head injuries. <laughs> I, man, eight concussions. I cry over certain things. My emotions can get me, you know. And you could tell me a good joke. I could laugh and then I might cry. And I watch the response to the jokes they tell you. I cry inside. <laughs> Let's go to, so we've looked at the mind. We've looked at the, the emotions. Third part is the will for it to be real re repentance. I use this in counseling. I talk to people about it. I may have preached on it before. I don't know. Um, I originally got the idea of this from reading a book about from an unsaved Jew who was helped by Christians. How many of you ever heard of Ask Dr. Laura? She used to be on the air. You've got to be old enough to remember that. Okay, She was on broadcast radio. Her name was Laura Schlesinger. I have a book by her. And you know who came to her rescue? born-again Christians. I have a book by her talking about counseling and the need for things to change. And she says there's four R's in repentance. The first one, and you can see them, if you went back and examined, for the sake of time, we won't, but if you examine David's repentance in Psalm 51, you'll find these parts. In Psalm 51, 1 through 3, you see recognition of your sin. You can't repent of what you won't own. I'll give you something, it's not real repentance. Yeah, I did that wrong, but I never would have done it if you hadn't made me angry. Ah, oh, nuts. You're passing it off. Recognition of your sin. You know, you, you, you stop the blame shifting. The third, or the second point, and that's found in Psalm 51, verses 4 through 7, that's godly remorse. Not to be taken back from. Okay? Godly remorse. 
against thee, and thee only have I sinned. And he's talking about restoring the joy of my salvation. Godly remorse. The third part is endeavoring to restore. If you, if you truly repent, you will do whatever you can to try to restore those besides God, because all sins against God, but it's also you sinned against another person. Okay? To restore when possible. Okay? Look at Acts chapter 26. You still with me? Acts 26. Verse 20. Again, we'll start at verse 9. You get the context. This is Paul talking to King Agrippa. And he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. A change of will. You're trying to restore. Trying to restore. It's an act of the will. You know what the, the fourth R of biblical repentance? Endeavoring not to repeat. I didn't say never repeating. Endeavoring not to repeat. You say, how does that work? Well, I want you to know, how does it work? If you read through the epistles over and over again from the God gave through the Apostle Paul, he talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. That's what it's about. Putting off and putting on. To repent literally means to turn. To turn. Is that simple enough for you? To turn. Turn to Luke 15. See, I got you to turn. In Luke 15, from verse 11 through verse 24, we have the story of the prodigal son. You know, and he went to his father early and said, give me all what my inheritance is going to be now. And he went out and he spent it on riotous living. And he came and ended up with nothing, having to work for someone he shouldn't have worked for. He was a Jewish boy, and he was feeding pigs. Okay, he didn't belong there. And what you see here in this story, in Luke 15, verse 18, it says, And I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. You know what he did? He he came to himself. He turned where? In his mind. Look at verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He confessed. You know something interesting? When you're willing to be honest about your sin and you give it to God and quit making excuses for it, it says if we confess our sins written to believers, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hmm? So He turned, He confessed. Look at verse 20. 
And he what? He arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great, great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Some people, you know, that religion makes people afraid of God. That's supposed to be a picture of my God. He's looking for you to turn to him. And he sees you afar off. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You still with me? Isaiah 55 and verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. No matter where someone is in their life, if they're lost, while there is life, while there is breath, there is hope. No matter how far back a Christian has slidden, while there is life and while there is breath, there is hope. I see so many Christians who fight against the will of God and the Word of God. You'll get caught up in yourself. And there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Okay? Proverbs 28 and verse 13. He that covereth his sins, and it could be he or she, but it says he, shall not prosper. But whosoever, whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have what? Mercy. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. See, real repentance will cause a sinner, whether they're saved or lost, to take action in direct contrast to his previous, his former sinful actions. It'll change the way he thinks. It'll change the way he feels. It'll change the way he's going. Remember this. I'm sorry is different from I've sinned against God. Please forgive me. We need to understand. Repentance didn't stop at the day of salvation. Salvation was secured at the day of salvation. But a heart that's right with a God who knows it already needs one to repent and confess and to turn to Him. And all God's people said, Good night and God bless.